0: your attention to the book of matthew the gospel of matthew chapter number 14 the gospel of matthew chapter number 14 and you can remain standing if you will for the reading of god's word just four short verses of scripture skipping around just a little bit one more time to all of our guests and friends that are here today We welcome you in Jesus' name. Whether you're here live in the flesh or you're watching online, thank you for coming and being a part of the sanctuary Quad Cities. We're so glad that you're here. If you're here today and you're looking for a church, I hope you have found one. If you're looking for a church uh, made up of a bunch of normal people that serve an extraordinary God, then you found the right church. Uh, The sanctuary is more than our name. But the sanctuary envelops who we try to be. It is who we endeavor to be in the Quad Cities. We want to be a a safe place where you can come and grow in your relationship with God. We want to be a place where you can heal. We want to be a place where you can find freedom and liberty. We want to be a place where somebody's life can be restored. We want to be a sanctuary, a safe place where somebody can realize God's divine purpose in their life. Praise God. So good to see everybody here. What a great crowd here on this Sunday. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 14, verse 24, I want to say thank you to everybody that made our our summer social a success we had just a small handful of people uh, less on our wednesday night midweek than we had on our sunday before we had a, a great incredible midweek crowd for bible study and then our social and food trucks and all kinds of fun stuff and we will definitely be returning that to the calendar at some point it was a great time thank you for everybody who had any hand in making that possible Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary, the Bible says. And in the fourth watch, everybody say the fourth watch. The fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Comes out to where they are. Jesus knows how to find you. If you'll let him, he knows where to find you. Verse 32, skipping down. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. It stopped. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth, in other words, without any doubt, thou art the Son of God. And it was at this moment that those closest to him, without any question mark, without any conjunction, without any but, without any hesitation, at this moment, his disciples recognized him. This is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. I want to preach to you for the next few minutes from this thought. Saved by the storm. Saved by the storm by the storm. Would you lay your Bibles down and lift up your voice to heaven and ask Jesus to talk to you in the next few minutes of this service. In the name of Jesus, Lord, right now by your power, your anointing, your spirit, God, I pray that you would move and work in a fashion that only you can. God, I pray right now that by the authority of your word, God, your word would go forth. It would not return void, but God, it would accomplish everything that it is set forth to accomplish here this morning God I pray for every guest and every friend and every visitor that is here Lord I pray in the name of Jesus Lord that you would help us to see you and to find you today God I pray right now that we would realize that you are more than enough I pray that we would see you in the middle of our storm in Jesus name we pray in Jesus name and everybody say amen Amen. everybody say amen at your neighbor before you're seated and say you may be saved by your storm. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. If you like miracles it was a good time to be following Jesus. If you liked Bright lights, special effects, incredible displays of the power of God. It was a great time to be in the crowd or the multitude with Jesus. We read in Matthew 14 that just a little bit earlier before the text where we picked up, Jesus had been teaching and talking and he got the entire crowd together. And as the crowd was gathered there, he was moved with compassion by those that were sick in the crowd. And the Bible says that without them begging or pleading with him, he began to heal all that were sick in the crowd. Think of the magnitude of that miracle alone. Jesus, in a crowd full of people, literally starts healing every single person who was sick. Everybody who had cancer got healed. Everybody who had deformities were healed. Everybody who had undiagnosed diseases and conditions were instantly healed and transformed by the power of his word. He began healing. If you were in the multitude for the miracles, you were really excited about this point. But the incredible thing is, is the day was just getting started. Because as Jesus began to heal the sick, the day went on and they got hungry. Everybody looked at their watch and they realized it was just about lunchtime. And so, not only did we just have the miracle of the sick being healed, you know, now now you've got this incredible environment in the crowd where the lame are leaping and the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing and the dumb are talking. That still happens today sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully not at this particular moment. <laughs> they, they they just get amped up from that miracle and all of a the sudden they need food. And so this incredible miracle transpires with the loaves and the fishes where Jesus starts Taking the loaves and the fish of the little lad and and he breaks them and bless them. And literally the disciples have fish and and bread in their hands. And as Jesus is breaking it, they are literally watching it multiply right before their eyes. Think about this miracle. Already hundreds, at least hundreds of people by estimates of this multitude that would have been following Jesus by Matthew chapter 14. Hundreds of people, at least, had just been healed in a moment. Now, they're watching fish and bread multiply. I'd like to see fish multiply when I'm doing this sometimes, but uh, I don't need it to multiply when I'm doing this. But, but the fish is multiplying, and the bread is multiplying. It's, it's a all-you-can-eat fish and chips buffet for everybody. I mean, that sounds like a good lunch, right? It's, 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 multiplying and, and they're eating it. They're, they're, they're consuming it. And, and the disciples and everybody watching this incredible miracle. If you like miracles, it was a great time to be following Jesus because Jesus was healing blind eyes. He was unstopping deaf ears. He was raising up the lame. And now he's feeding everybody with just a couple of loaves and fishes. Everything seems to be going great. You read at the beginning of, of Matthew chapter 14, and, and you can read the comparative accounts in the Gospels as well, in Mark chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 9 and in John chapter 6 as well, the comparative accounts in the Synoptic Gospels where this miracle is told from the perspective of each one of these disciples and followers of Jesus. All of these miracles, but then all at once, it seems like Jesus completely shifts gears. He's, I mean, it's miracles for everybody. I mean, he's making it rain miracles. I mean, it's it's everybody gets fish. Everybody gets bread. Everybody gets healed. Everybody, it's, it's for everybody, right? And then all of a sudden, there's this hard shift. And Jesus, in one moment, tells the crowd to get out of there. He sends the crowd home. He says, get home. He sends the crowd one direction. And he... Sends his disciples an entirely different direction. He, he tells the disciples. In fact, he constrains the disciples. The Bible says he constrains them. In other words, he convinced them. He he coerced them to get into the ship. He said, "Get out of my hair. Get out of the way." And he sends the crowd home. Seems like a complete change of direction by Jesus. If you read the story, you see very quickly. That although the miracles of Jesus were incredible, and no doubt for some, they were life-changing. Their life was changed. They were lame, now they're healed. But from a revelatory perspective, from the perspective of revelation, God revealing himself to man. The miracles were an utter failure. The miracles did not accomplish what Jesus was trying to accomplish. Everybody had their bellies full. But they still didn't know who he was. Everybody had their sicknesses healed. But they still did not vocalize who he was. In fact, I'll propose to you that the miracle sometimes uh, presented a couple of problems. Sometimes uh, Jesus' miraculous ministry presented a couple of problems and we see it here. And that is, on one hand, you have the unbelievers. And the unbelievers who are unconvinced—they sit with their arms folded. When Jesus does something miraculous for them, their attitude sometimes uh, to the miracle is, "Well, okay, what's next? <laughs> what's next? What you gonna feed me for dinner? <laughs> All right, lunch was good, but it's snack time. <laughs> I know you healed my my sickness, but now I got this problem on my job. I need you to do something about." I, I, I know you answered that prayer, but now i got this situation in my family I really need you to solve. You see, for the, the casual believers, the casual believers and the non-believers, the miracles present a problem because they sit there with the attitude of what's next. And many of them we will find were following Jesus with a what's next mentality. What you going to do for me next, Jesus? What can you give me next? Come on, give it here. What what do you got? What kind of blessing you got today? What kind of, it was fish and chips yesterday. Is it steak today, Jesus? I really like steak. You gonna go to steak today? If we're not careful, we will find ourselves at times slipping into the category of those uh, who have a what's next mentality. Who are only following Jesus uh, for what he can do for them next. uh, For what he's going to amount to in their lives next. Or what he's going to produce in their life next. Uh, I wonder if there's anybody here today that says, you know what, I'm following Jesus uh, whether he answers my current prayer or not. I wonder if there's anybody here today that says, you know what? I'm convinced uh, and I'm following Jesus. Uh, I'm not just following Jesus. Uh, I'm a disciple of Jesus uh, because I'm not in it for the miracles. Uh, I'm in it for the revelation. I'm in it for the mission. Uh, I'm in it for the relationship with Him. There, there are others in the crowd, sometimes the believers, sometimes the people like us. We, we struggle with a, a, not not what's next, but sometimes our struggle is, so what? Yeah. If we're not careful, the people close to Jesus, sometimes it, miracles become commonplace. They become just business as usual. Sometimes if we're not careful, the miracles of Jesus, so what? His presence showed up. That's oh, just another Sunday. We feel this every week. We hear preaching every week. Sometimes it's even good. Sometimes, meh. We, you know, somebody got baptized. Oh, that's happened a lot around here. Hey, if we're not careful, we can become so accustomed to the presence of God. That without even saying it, we have a so what kind of attitude. Well, God's moving in the house and and we're just kind of sitting there like a bump on a dill pickle. I'm telling you, when God's moving, I want to recognize His presence is here and I don't just want to recognize it I want to respond to it I want to know Jesus is in the house and where Jesus is anything can happen I want my faith to meet the level of his manifestation Jesus is in the house he's here today don't take it for granted Hey, if you have a need in your life, uh, Jesus is in the house today. Don't take it for granted. Don't come in here just to check your little Sunday morning time card uh, so you can say, I went to church. Uh, I did my religious deed. Uh, If you have a need in your life, uh, shake off the so what attitude uh, and say, Jesus, uh, I'm here to engage your presence. Uh, I am here to encounter life. So Jesus sends them away. He sends the crowd away. He says, get out of here. Get out of here. I'll come back to that in a minute. But, but see, the crowd, the multitude, they were gathered around. They weren't really disciples. There's a big difference uh, between a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus. There's a massive difference between a follower of Christ and a disciple of Christ. A follower of Christ uh, is just kicking the tires at church, uh, just kind of looking for the next big thing. Oh, what are they going to do next? Eh, it's all right. It's a pretty good church. I've seen better models. Followers of Jesus, they're going to be around when it's good. They're gone when it's not. Followers of Jesus are going to be around when he's making it rain miracles. But when it comes time to sacrifice, I think I got a cold that morning. In advance, I got a headache that day. When it comes time to really give up themselves, when it comes time to take up their cross... When it comes time to to no longer be an entertained uh, 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 an entertained spectator, but it becomes time to be an involved participator, then then the followers fade away. But a disciple of Jesus uh, is someone who says, I am with you until the end of the earth. Uh, And not only am I with you, uh, but I want to reflect your character in my life. uh, And not only do I want to reflect it in my life, but a true disciple is a disciple maker. Uh, It means that I am helping somebody else uh, become what Christ wants them to be. The the, the multitude goes one way. The disciples go the other way. And the Bible lets us know right here in Matthew chapter 14 and in Mark chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 9 and in John chapter 6. The Bible lets us know that he sends these two crowds two different directions. And he sends the disciples into the boat. And as sun is setting, the picture painted in the gospels is that a storm kicks up on the water. They're in a boat in the middle of a storm. Real easy question. Jesus sent them in the boat, right? Did Jesus not know there was going to be a storm? Did Jesus not know that they were about to get sent into a little something, something? And you know what he does? He climbs a mountain to pray. That's what the Bible says. He climbs a mountain, just goes. And in fact, one of the gospels indicates that he may have even seen them in the storm as sun was setting. So what time sunset? Six, seven, eight, depending on what time of year it was. Right. The sun is setting. He sees them in the storm and he just stays by himself. Here they are in the storm. The sun's setting. They're fighting against the wind and the waves. They're, they're trying to row, but they can't row. They can't get anywhere. The sails, the, the ship is being battered. I mean, you can just imagine a stormy sea. And you can imagine lightning crashing down and claps of thunder. And the sun is setting and Jesus is content to keep his distance. He lets them sail headlong into a storm. And here they battle the wind and the waves. They battle the wind and waves and 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. and midnight. And they're still battling at 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. How do I know that? Because the Bible said he didn't even get up to go to them until the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So think about it. Now this is, this is a cruel picture of Jesus. I mean, this picture of Jesus doesn't uh, uh, depict nicely on, like, you know, a candle or on a picture. Like, this is cruel Jesus. I mean, by our standards today, this is mean Jesus. This is naughty Jesus. Jesus is sitting in the mountain, just taking his time. And here they are. (laughs) Why didn't he go at first? I don't know. Maybe they were frustrated. There's a difference between frustration and desperation. Frustration, I don't find in the Bible, gets God's attention. Anybody ever got frustrated before? Anybody got frustrated today? Anybody got frustrated in the last 60 minutes? We've all got frustrated, right? But frustration does not attract His pres- presence. So I don't know. Maybe at sunset. Maybe maybe at sunset they're they're frustrated, but they're not desperate yet. And so he lets them just keep going, and they keep fighting the wind. And maybe the next wave is going to be the one that knocks over the boat. Maybe the next wave is going to be the one that capsizes them. I I, I don't know, but finally at 3 a.m., somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., he finally, after hours of letting them toil, he finally gets up. And here's what's crazy. He doesn't teleport there. He doesn't, you know, beam me up. There he is. He doesn't just like speak the word and it happens. He walks. They were in the middle of the sea. You know what the gospels let us know? This is about three miles into the sea. So how long does it take to walk off of a mountain and down the seashore and out into the sea? Now, how many of you, if your kid had an emergency or someone you love had an emergency and they're screaming, ha! Ah! That you'd be like, meh. I mean, now if they're a big faker, if it's the boy who cried wolf, you know they're they act. You know, some people have the same level of response for everything, right? <laughs> they have the same level of response if the lights turns red, and the same level of response if their dog dies, and the same level of response they got fired on the job. It's like everything's freak out, ah! Everything's drama. That was that was just bonus. Sorry. good to measure your responses according to the situation, by the way. Jesus is just walking out, I mean, just kind of taking a leisurely stroll across the top of the sea to get out to where they are. Three miles, how long does it take to walk three miles? I don't know. I know how long it takes to run a mile, well, from high school, but uh, a few years, a few decades ago. Um, But he walks out to where they are, just walks. Now, here's what's crazy. You can read it in Matthew and you can read it in all the synoptic gospels. He comes out and the Bible says as he comes out to where they are, he gets to where they are. And and one gospel writer says he would have passed them by. Here they are about to die. They're worried that the next wave is going to turn them over. And the Bible says he would have walked right past them. You know what that lets me know? is that God is not in the business of running up to you and jumping up in your lap and shaking you by the cheeks. God will simply present you with an opportunity of his presence. Well, I don't know. I didn't really get anything out of today's service. You know what? It might be that you didn't take the opportunity of His presence that was presented to every man and woman. I don't know it. No got to do when you perceive that Jesus is near the Bible says they cried out and when you cry out to him you attract the sovereign presence and power of God I wish somebody would lift up their voice right now and just begin to call upon him in the name of Jesus Hallelujah. hallelujah 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 Hallelujah. (laughs) Jesus had already escaped the crowd. He had already got away from the crowd. Now he's isolated the few of his disciples. The crowd doesn't get it. The crowd doesn't understand. In fact, in the book, it says that they were in the book of John. I believe they were about to make him king. He had to escape because they were about to make him king. They wanted him to overthrow the Roman government. They could not understand the concept of a suffering savior. They could not understand that there was going to be victory come through pain. They had no context yet for the cross. And so he says, I'm going to teach you something by sending you into something. I'm going to teach you something that the miracles don't teach you. I'm going to teach you something that the fish and chips buffet didn't teach you. I'm going to teach you something That all the sick being healed didn't teach you. I'm going to send you into some storms. I'm going to send you into some tough times. I'm going to let you sail into something. That you don't know how to get out of. And I'm going to let you get to the point of desperation. Where all you can do. Is cry out to me. And they did. And Jesus walks by them. And you know his first words to them. This is comical almost. They're literally about to die, and you know what Jesus says? Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. Can you imagine walking into somebody who's on their deathbed? The doctor says they have hours, if not minutes, to live, and you walk in, hey, cheer up. Don't be afraid. I mean, how insensitive would that be? Come on, cheer up. Put a smile on your face. That's essentially what Jesus is doing here. They're about to die. They're in full desperate panic mode. And he says, cheer up. What's the deal with that? What's the deal with that? I'll tell you what the deal with that is. The deal with that is, before he's going to do anything about the wind and the waves and the storm, he wants you to fully recognize his presence within the storm. The reason he sends them into the storm is because he wants them to know that even in the middle of the storm, I am still God. I am still able to speak to the elements. I am still able to calm the wind and the waves. I am still... The Bible says in Mark chapter 6 In Mark's account of the gospel It says they did not understand Because of the loaves and fishes In other words there was a lack of understanding I thank God for every miracle I thank God for every provision I thank God for every answered prayer When God shows up and does something miraculous for me But I'm here to preach to somebody That it may not be the miracle that saves you I'm preaching to somebody That you may be saved by the storm You may not be the fish the uh, buffet that saves you uh, but you may be saved by the storm uh, that God's allowed you to sail into uh, it may not be the sickness in your body that he heals uh, that saves you uh, oh but God says that I can send them into a storm uh, if I can allow them some opposition uh, if I can allow them to go through some troubled times uh, then they're going to recognize uh, that I am God then they're going to see uh, that I am able not only to multiply, not only to heal I'm preaching to somebody today That there is a sermon in the storm There is a sermon in the storm And the sermon of the storm Preaches to you today And it says I want you to see me God in your storm You see if all you're worried about Is the circumstances of the storm You may get frustrated You may give up You may throw in the towel You may commit spiritual suicide And jump overboard But the purpose of the storm Is God wants you to see him presence uh, in the details uh, of your storm God wants you to recognize him Monday comes another set of waves And Tuesday comes another set of waves Am I preaching to anybody today? And Wednesday comes another howling of the wind And God saying I want you to see me in the wind And I want you to see me in the waves And I want you to look for my presence In the middle of the rain And in the sound of the thunder I want you to hear my voice And in the flash of lightning I want you to see that I am the light I am the way and the light Oh, somebody ought to give him praise right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, somebody ought to lift up your voice and you ought to give him praise right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We read it in the Gospels right here. You get in the boat. Jesus gets in the boat. There's this whole account of Peter in the water. But, but Jesus gets in the boat. And when he gets in the boat, he finally speaks to the wind and waves and lets them be still. And it's at that moment, Simon Peter and the disciples look at him and say, Of truth, thou art the Son of God. It's at that moment when they see him in the storm. That they say, we get it. It's you. You are the Messiah. You're not just some rogue miracle worker Maybe, maybe till that point The line of demarcation Between being man and being God and man Maybe it was a scribbly line Maybe it was a blurry uh, Pencil shaded line But Jesus said in this storm I want that line of demarcation To be a bold, thick, black line Where you understand that you are flesh But I am not just flesh You are flesh And you you operate in finite limitations uh, but I am the God of the universe uh, I am fully God, fully man I am God in flesh yes. I want you to recognize me in the storm and what's so powerful is after this is when Jesus in the gospel of John Jesus begins teaching them about his body being broken he says you got a drink of my blood he's got to let them know there's power In brokenness. I'm going to die. But you think death means loss. Death means victory. I'm going to a cross to suffer. And you think suffering means. I I, I lose. But I want you to know. That suffering means. You're going to be victorious. Over death. Hell. And the grave. I'm preaching to somebody today. That you've been looking for a miracle to save you. I'm preaching to somebody today that you've been looking for this massive uh, windfall of an answer to prayer. God, just sweep in and just do something miraculous in a moment for me. As you're struggling in the storm, you're waiting on your miracle worker. But I'm here to preach to you today that your miracle worker wants you to see him in your storm. He wants you to recognize Him in your storm. As I look back over my life, it's been some of the deepest and darkest storms that I ever knew. That the reality of God's presence was made manifest in a way that I did not see with the miracles of provision
1: and i did not
0: see when he was healing my body and i didn't see when people were getting the holy ghost by the dozens and hundreds but it was in the storm of my life that god said if you'll see me in this you're going to be saved by the storm how can i be saved i can be saved from a storm i want to be saved from the storm you want to be saved from the storm how am i saved by the storm i'm saved by the storm because the storm turns my faith into trust the storm makes me look at him and say lord i trust that you know where i'm at And God, I may not see a way out of this mess. But God, I know that you know where I'm at. And God, because you know where I'm at, I know I'm not forgotten. I know I'm not forsaken. preaching to somebody that the storm you're in is your very salvation I'm preaching to somebody that the storm you're in can be your very saving I'm preaching to somebody here this morning that the struggle you're in uh, I'm not telling you I'm not making judgment in your life whether God sent the storm there are some people here that God in fact sent a storm into your life Uh, and the thing that you're praying against uh, is the thing that God gave you but there are others in this room that you're in a storm due to somebody's stupid decisions. You're in a storm because of somebody's mistakes. You're in a storm because of somebody's sin. You're in a storm because of somebody's shortcoming. God doesn't cause man to sin. God doesn't make you sin. God doesn't create the brokenness. But you know what the power of redemption preaches today? The power of redemption preaches a sermon in the storm that says, I can redeem you in your storm. I can take you out of your storm and I can give you new life. And so our faith, our faith at its most elementary level, our faith. When you first come to God, our faith. If you you think of the analogy of a house, Brother Burrell Ewing used to use this analogy in his preaching. If you think of the analogy of a house, faith. When we first come to God with simple belief and confession of God simple faith is like the ground floor of the house. It's the entry level. Oh, but there's so much more than just professing. I have confidence in God. I give my belief to God. You see, as you climb the stairs of that house, you go into the next floor. And the next floor is where you get convicted by your faith. That It is not just a a simple Sunday or an only belief, but it is a deep conviction. A, a, A conviction that says, I am persuaded that this is God and he is real and he is in my life. I am persuaded that he has a plan for my life. I am persuaded that he is with me. I am persuaded that he has not forsaken me. you climb the stairs of that house uh, of faith uh, as your faith begins to and continues uh, to develop uh, you go from uh, just simple belief to complete persuasion uh, where you say there is nothing that is going to separate me from God I am convinced that whatever storm comes my way I'm staying I'm sticking it out but you see the attic of a house not everybody goes in the attic you may walk in a group to the first and second floor but you don't typically take a group in the attic it's a little darker up there it's a little scary in the attic the attic is usually where you go alone the attic is called trust a little scary in the attic But oh, the treasures you'll find in that attic. Oh, the treasures you'll find when you get to a place that you cannot see as well. But you say, Lord, I trust you with this storm. God, I trust you with the circumstances of my life. God, I trust you with every detail of my existence. God, my trust and my confidence is in you. I wish somebody would lift up their voice right now all across this room. Come on, I wish somebody would even stand to their feet and just begin to say, Lord, my trust is in you.